0: It's three oh six on the six thirty jet afternoon news. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Morley Scott joining me in studio hey. this afternoon. Hey buddy, how you feeling? I'm all right,
1: thing. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just sick of being sick. Tired oh, of being sick. I hear you. I can't, I can't get rid of the cough. I thought I was getting better. I went out Friday night, felt pretty good. Got up Saturday morning, felt pretty good. And then we did some stuff. Uh, the family did some stuff on Saturday. We went to one of those escape rooms. Yeah. Uh, and then we went out to uh, dinner. And then we went to see Deadpool, mm. and I took the dog for a long walk in the morning. And I was feeling up bad. And then Saturday night, I could I was awake all night coughing. Yeah, it all came back to me. So.
0: Uh, have you tried uh, what's <clears> it <throat> a, a mustard plaster on your chest?
1: That's a waste of good mustard. Can I dip <laughs> hot dogs in it?
0: Sure, if you yeah. want. Dips um, uh, on your feet.
1: Yeah, I, I used to get that as a kid all the time. Then I had to put my socks on over top of it. My yeah. Mom was yeah. I I don't know. I'm just I'm just taking stuff, and I'm just tired of it.
0: Hoping for the best. <clears throat> yeah. Hoping yeah. Did you, Valentine's. Did you have a nice romantic Valentine's?
1: Uh, uh, yeah. Well, we went on on Friday night. It was all right. It was okay. It was good. I had a good time. Food was really good. And uh, oh, know. did you
0: go to dinner theater?
1: Uh, no, I did not. Oh, go there. okay. No, no, did not. <laughs> I did not. You're so. such
0: a romantic fella.
1: Well, you know. You get what you pay for. <laughs> she um, wish she would have spent more.
0: <clears throat> we sat down on where it was watching um, some of the NBA All Star game,
1: mm-hmm. which I
0: think combined total points was close to 400.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's no defense in that game, man. Eh?
0: No, not at all. Um, but one of the things that a lot of people uh, got talking about was Canadian singer Nellie Furtado's version. Mm-hmm. Of O Canada.
1: Yeah, nobody seemed to like it.
0: All right, and here's what it sounded
2: like.
1: She's Canadian right that's right I'm assuming she's heard the song before yeah once or twice yeah wow I yeah it was weird uh, I I'm a, I really like the anthem before games before sports mm-hmm. I think it's a real cool way to set the stage and and you know kind of it, it's it's kind of a marker okay everyone sit down behave and play the game right and I and I really and, and it's a great way to, to, to give tributes that's to people right. and everything but that was not very good. That was just not very good. If
0: you're wondering what you just <clears throat> listened to and you just tuned in, that was Nellie Furtado, Canadian singer, who sold like 20 million you know, records or mm-hmm. whatever they call them anymore, uh, across North America. Obviously, Canadian has heard the Canadian national anthem a few times. She sang it at the NBA All-Star Game this weekend. Number of texts coming in saying that is absolutely Horrible. Yeah, it was bad. Now that's the second time I've listened to it. The second time is better than the first time, believe it or not. <laughs> I just don't believe that the anthem should be up for interpretation.
1: It, you know what? You're you're there to sing the anthem, and the anthem is the anthem. Mm-hmm. That's why they have to say "the" in front of it. Right? It is the anthem. It's the yeah. one. It's the one we've always sang. It's the one we'll always sing. It's the one that has tune and has words. Now, I don't mind if you. Make it your own, Mm -hmm. but don't change it. Like she did more than like. I mean, Lady Gaga made the uh, the the Super Bowl national anthem. She made it her own, but she didn't change it. No, you know, she didn't change the tune. You know, she did a you know a little different harmonizing or whatever, whatever. Whatever. But don't change the tune. Jose Feliciano, I believe it was in the seventies at a, (laughs) I think it was a Major League Baseball All Star game, changed the tune, and he heard from the crowd that night, as I recall. Uh, There's been some awful ones, and I I don't know why people think that. You know what? I'm going to change the tune at the Canadian National Anthem and <laughs> go out and sing it on national television.
0: <laughs> it's not going to... It's not going to get you anywhere. No. It's not going to, uh, you know, get it's you not, any favors. It's not, not
1: halftime at the Super Bowl. You do not make your mark <laughs> by performing here. This is the anthem before a game.
0: Some of your uh, text coming in this afternoon. What an insult, changing the music, and then she couldn't even sing the song right. Terrible. Uh, that's from Michael. He says the NBA should be embarrassed. Brian says, why must a singer change national uh, songs? To me, it's an insult when they do that big swede says you know what that was fine another one says it wasn't that bad and then ron says well at least you got the words right
1: yeah and she didn't sing it to old christmas tree like casey parks did in what was that in las vegas uh down uh when the cfl made its uh southern sonjur in the 90s and and they asked him to sing the national anthem he was horrible too like i i don't understand his was just ignorance though this was not this was not ignorance this is this is just saying I got a better way to sing O Canada than it's ever been sung before. It, it,
0: it's then not about the anthem. It's about you. Yeah. You're making it about yeah. you when it needs to be just about the yeah. anthem. What do you think at 630-630? The number's 4960063. Uh, this one, here's here's another rendition of, of O Canada, a poorly performed one.
2: Oh. That's Casey Parks there. Our home and native land. What? True patriot love in all thy sons' command. With growing hearts. With growing hearts? We growing see, hearts. see thee rise. <laughs> The true and strong and free <laughs> from far and wide oh stand on guard for the Yeah, that is Old Christmas Tree. Oh my goodness. That is Old Christmas Tree up. for the
1: tune there. Yeah. yeah. That, that was in Las Vegas for a Las Vegas posse game. I can't remember who was playing. It might have been Ottawa, but I know he was invited. He felt terrible about it cuz he just didn't know the tune. He just never heard the song before, right? Uh, he just didn't do his due diligence and he came up to Ottawa and sang it at a, I guess it was a Renegades game at yeah. that point. And as I recall, he nailed it pretty good. Okay, so, uh, he's a Las Vegas singer, right? So he just needed to know and, the tune,
0: right? Hey, and there's a lot of pressure on on singing an anthem. Yeah, for sure, a huge amount of, yeah. of, of of pressure. And you think about it, how many times have we, um, over our 45 years of being, you know, on this planet, sang? The anthem, whether it was in school, whether it was at a football game, yep. whatever it was. Now, if, you, if I said to you, Morley, right now, start singing, would you be able to pull it off? Know all the words, know all of that, just uh, under pressure, right?
1: Yeah, I, I, I've probably heard it more than an average guy, yeah. though, because I hear it you know, at work yeah. all the time, You know, doing all those hockey games mm-hmm. and, and all those football games now. So I probably could. It would be awful because I'm a bad singer, but I would know the words, I would know the tune.
0: This one says, hi it's, uh, hi, it's Keith from Boyle. I don't think she butchered it any worse than Stevie Wonder and others have done to the U.S. anthem. And you know what? Brandon Graziano said you brought up Lady Gaga doing the um, mm-hmm. the, the American National Anthem at the Super Bowl. Well, it was still identifiable as the American National yeah. Anthem. I yeah. might She might have like, oh, off and dragged yeah. out some things yeah. and stuff like that. But the tune was still there. And it still sounded like
1: the anthem. Yeah, it was, it was like an anthem you've heard before. Nelly Furtado was like no anthem you've heard before.
0: <laughs> um, Sal says there should be a law against changing the music for our national anthem. Yeah. You know, just don't do it.
1: That's what the song is, right? Um, so sing the song or don't sing it.
0: Here's another uh, bad one, I'm, and I'm not sure who sang this one, but it's uh, another poorly performed one. She was a radio announcer that sang a game. At, no, was no, no, a no, right, one more time. One more time.
2: It's my bucket list. It's my bucket list. Oh, Canada,
1: it's in the bucket.
2: We stand
0: okay, so yeah. if it was your bucket list yeah. and that was something that you wanted to do. Why I, is
1: that on your bucket list and for starters?
0: Well, you know what? Seeing the anthem at the start of an NHL game, something like that. It's I remember the bucket. story. No play in an NHL
1: game
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just and I don't find it funny,
1: yeah, yeah, it's not you know and and there has been some some great anthems uh stories over there, like that the girl at one of the Canada Cups many years ago, and I know it was a Canadian game, and she came out and she started to sing the anthem, and she forgot the words mm. which was more just stage fright than anything else, I think, and she left. Head down. and They talked her into coming out to sing it again. And she came out and she stepped through the gate, stepped on the carpet on the ice, and it slipped. And she went down, banged her head. She got up, and I think she's still running right now. Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, there's been some horror stories for sure singing anthems. Uh, Carl Lewis with the American National Anthem oh. was horrible. Um,
0: oh, well, the. the and what he said,
1: name? you know, bear with me. I'm going to get the high note now, you know. <sighs> and uh, Roseanne Barr oh, was brutal that was attitude. Just... That was brutal attitude, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, Yeah, and, and, and it's almost like it's it's set up to be a joke yeah. with some of these people, yeah, yeah. right? It should, and it, should, it shouldn't be.
1: It should be treated with the respect it deserves. Exactly. It's, there, you know, it's the national anthem, right?
0: Uh, someone says, uh, Burton Cummings destroyed it once too. <laughs> uh, someone says, oh my goodness, those versions are making me want to throw up. And then someone said, you're not sure who was responsible for that uh, last one. Pretty sure that was Fran Drescher. <laughs> Please do the Roseanne Barr one. Don't have that one. Would you? We just thought we'd stick with the Canadian, yeah. the Canadian anthem. Yeah, I,
1: I don't know. I just, just that's why the best anthem singers, guys like Paul Lorio, uh, oh, yeah. uh, the guy, they just sing the song, right? Who's
0: the fellow down they just in the sing states? Song. He's yeah. been singing the the anthem down there forever. He was Boston Bruins. Is he the Boston Bruins? Oh yeah,
1: I forget his name. The uh, the old guy with the, he gives the fist pump. Yeah, at the end and, and it he's got he has yeah, the yeah. gold
0: lamé yeah, 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 jacket yeah, exactly. on and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do you want one more? Just briefly.
1: Uh, it depends what it is. Okay, here's one actually. more. Oh, Canada, our
2: home and native land. Okay,
0: that's about enough of that yeah, one too. I don't know,
1: I don't know what, even what that was. <laughs>
0: Well, that was, someone would say that that might have been, if she was an opera singer, that that was her interpretation then of the anthem.
1: You're not supposed to interpret it, though. You're supposed to sing it. <laughs> That's what I say. Okay. I personally, You know, it's, it's funny. The, I, I didn't watch a lick of the NBA stuff. I saw I a lot of it on Twitter, and it mm-hmm. looked like the dunk contest was great, and the game had lots of points and everything. But the biggest thing, everybody hated Nelly Furtado, and for some reason, everybody hated Sting. Who performed at the half? I guess maybe that's not his market. I don't know.
0: Well, you know, was, you know what? I, I, first off, I, he was kind of unrecognizable. Um, but he's he's playing here with Peter Gabriel mm, this yeah. summer, by the way. And so, but he was up there, and I'm thinking, okay, he's he's got his beard, and he's got his jacket on, and his poofy, you know, poof in his uh, jacket, and and all that. And then all of a sudden, brings out three girls in in hot shorts or yeah. you know and I'm like wh- why do you why sting why do you need that yeah you're sting. you're sting you're sting you You just are fine the way you are
1: you only have one name you're already cool yeah exactly you know, so I yeah I don't, I don't know I, I didn't see any of it I didn't see the girls in the shorts I didn't see anything all I saw was the outrage on Twitter yeah about this, mm-hmm. and, and people, I, I don't know how people can get that upset about having to watch Sting sing for, you know, 15 minutes, yeah. you know, it, it couldn't have been that bad, but I mean, everybody was upset about it, they, they hated for Furtado, they hated the fact that Sting sang the anthem, or, or sang at halftime, yeah. so yeah, I don't, I don't understand it, Brian's people on get fo- worked up with the music, I don't
3: know why.
0: Hey Brian,
3: how are you folks today?
0: Oh good, did you have to sing O Canada
3: once? I sure did not, but uh, I wanted to share a story. Uh, We live in Athabasca, and a number of years ago, we had a group of uh, retired pro hockey players come in here for a fundraiser, and uh, that group contained uh, the likes of Guy Lafleur after he retired for the first time, Steve Shutt and a few others. And um, one of the uh, little details, I guess, that had been uh, an oversight was that they didn't have anybody to sing O Canada, and the players from this team said that's okay our coach Merv will sing it and uh, and he's good like he's really good and he doesn't need any backup music he'll just go a cappella. so everybody trusted these guys eh? so uh, he reluctantly stood there with the microphone at center ice and gave the poorest rendition and, and he didn't have three words out of his mouth and the pro players were trying to be respectful but they were busting the gut I can remember Steve shot in particular was beside himself laughing uh, it was it was funny and yet it was kind of too bad because uh, it was a really neat event yeah and it started off so weak but uh, we got a good laugh
0: you've witnessed it you've witnessed it oh we did and none of us. I was stuff. sort
3: of wishing I would have sung it because I think it could have done marginally better.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say, Brian. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. But you know, this this poor guy slaughtered it, but no one else stepped up to.
3: Yeah, to help
1: I, I've him. seen a couple of great ones. I've seen yeah. when, when uh, singers have forgotten the words and the whole crowd you start singing with yeah, them. Yeah, and uh, those are pretty cool moments too. That's teamwork. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Brian, thanks for the phone call.
3: You bet! I'm enjoying your
0: show. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. It's 3:21. We need to take a quick break here. It's on uh, Jaylin and Morley Scott. Bill, we'll get to your phone call right after this. We're talking about Nelly uh, Furtado's Furtado, <laughs> Furtado's performance of uh, "O Canada" at the NBA All-Star Game, and a lot of people saying, you know, that she really made a mess of "O Canada." Your comments, Bill's on the phone. Hi, Bill. Hello.
3: What do you think? Well, know what? I didn't see it.
2: Mm-hmm. You're lucky. But-
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's what I gather. But it, it drives me nuts when people destroy the national anthem.
1: Yeah. Just sing the song, right?
3: Well, exactly. Sing it as written. It's not your time to shine. You're singing the frickin' national anthem. Just do it as it's written.
0: Yeah. Don't, you don't be needing to, to fiddle with, with things, right? Bill, I appreciate you holding. I appreciate the phone call. Jamie's Thanks, on Bill. the phone. Hey,
3: Jamie. Hi there. What do you think? Well, um, it was okay, but I I just thought I kind of thought about it, and I thought, well, maybe she had to keep up with the guy on the flute. Cause no one's talking about him how slow he was. Yeah. But I'm sure. But I'm sure if, if she was to be by herself, I mean, it would have been.
1: I'm guessing you know, they rehearsed.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, that seemed a little slow on his part. But it just I don't know.
0: You know, the flute thing, I it was it was okay to me, but to me, it reminded me of. What's that song from the Titanic? My heart will go on. Oh, yeah, yeah, you write yeah, that yeah. one, like the the flute at the beginning of that. I'm like, really? Yeah. We're A lot all of us going felt down.
2: like
1: we're on the Titanic. listening to that yeah, song. We're all
0: going down <laughs> the ship. <Yeah>. Jamie, <laughs> thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. A couple of your texts coming in saying uh, I heard you and Morley sing at Christmas. Like to hear you guys sing the uh, anthem. Yeah. But not without rehearsing.
1: No, for sure. Not well, we didn't rehearse rehearsing. much at Christmas either. But yeah, well, a little bit. of... There's a different of uh, reverence level. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yes. Not irreverence, <laughs> but reverence. Uh, it's a little more serious than just singing Christmas carols on the radio, right?
0: Uh, the best rendition, this is from Rocky Mountain House, the best rendition of uh, the anthem uh, is the Corner Gas episode where Brent has to sing it for a kids' soccer game.
2: Huh? Never didn't saw that. see that one, never but saw. I
0: might have to Google it. It's uh, 328. Okay, we'll carry on our uh, national anthem chat a little later on in the show. It's Jalen and I, Andrew Gross off today. I want to move on to my next interview this afternoon. I have to be totally honest with you. I have been looking forward to this since it was booked last week. Our next guest is a wildlife expert who has explored 45 countries and all seven continents over the past 25 years. For over 20 years, he has run the Calgary Zoo's nature-based travel program and is a professor of anthropology at the U of C. He's a pilot, author, diver, mountaineer, and I think he may have simply the best job in the world. Brian Keating is joining me this afternoon. Hi, Brian. Hi, (laughs) Jaylin. I am so excited about this. I have to tell you right now, your website, uh, goingwild.org, I could spend hours on there. I think I did earlier today watching all of your encounters and all of the different things that you've done as far as wildlife around the world. Do you have the coolest job on the planet, Brian?
4: (laughs) Yeah, you know, Jaylin, I've been, I started bird watching when I was Twelve years old. I've been into nature ever since then, and it's taken me to all corners of the world. And I, I just, uh, I'm so grateful for that. It's just, it's been quite a ride, I have to say. And I, I also must mention too that five years ago I retired from the Calgary Zoo, but I'm still doing pretty well. Everything I was doing before, I, I, the way I make my living these days, I lead trips, I give various presentations, and. I spend a lot of time out in the wild.
0: Well, you know what? I want to talk to you about that, about spending time out in the wild. And I uh, want to get to a number of your, your different experiences. But what caught my attention this time was it was an article that came out last week. It was a story out of Banff about hibernating bats. And it was the first time I think they'd been discovered in the National Park. How did, how did that discovery come about? And, and why is it so important?
4: Well, a woman by the name of Ann Forshner, she's the wildlife ecologist with Parks, she was the one that brought it to my attention. She gave a a presentation to the Bow Valley Naturalists a couple of weeks ago, and a good friend of mine was there. And uh, they found them hibernating in a cave up on the Banff-Jasper Highway. Uh, And the significance of it is that it's the first time bats have been found hibernating in Banff National Park, and it sort of has solved a bit of a long long-time mystery where where do they go these are were the little brown bats at least that's what they are assuming they are right now they've actually collected some feces and some bones and they've sent them off to a wildlife genetics laboratory in bc but the long and the short of it is it most likely is the little brown bat which is an endangered species and that's got Buzzing with excitement.
0: Okay, so an endangered species. I was reading today that uh, uh, millions of bats have have died because of a of a virus or a fungal infection. What's that all about?
4: This is very scary, and it, it first appeared on the scene in New York in 2006. It's called the white nose syndrome, and it's actually a fungal disease. Uh, it was then soon seen in eastern Canada around 2010. It's moving its way westward, and it's as far west now as Thunder Bay. So I think it's just a matter of time before it, it gets out here. Mm. It's, a, it's a, a fungus that they think has come from Europe. It's apparently endemic in the bat population in Europe, but they've got natural resistance to it. So it's been an introduced disease, mm. most likely introduced into North America, from spelunkers, which are people that go exploring caves, so probably uh. from their uh, contaminated equipment. And so Parks Canada is keeping a close eye on the little brown bats that they've found <laughs> in their park, uh, monitoring them. But they're also working across the country to educate cavers as to how to uh, decontaminate their equipment.
0: So hibernating bats in Banffs, because in the past, I think we thought, where do they go, down south, like everyone else does?
4: <laughs> well, actually, I asked that question to Dr. Rob. Robert Barkley, he's our batman of Canada. He's here in Calgary at the University of Calgary. I've known him for 30 years. When I used to work at the zoo, I used to have him come out as a special guest speaker. And so I've been listening to his stories for a long, long time. And he he said that uh, of the nine species of bats that are found in Alberta, six of them actually do hibernate. Mm. The other three head south. And, uh, and so there, there are some that hibernate. I was only aware of a couple of species that hibernate, which is the little brown bat and the big brown bat, <laughs> which actually, amazingly enough, uh, up in your neck of the woods, in Edmonton, there's more big brown bats in the wintertime than there is in the summer. It seems that they actually come into your city to uh, find uh, abandoned warehouses and other places <laughs> that hover around negative 4 degrees Celsius for their hibernation locations. And so they actually immigrate into your city.
0: You know what, Brian, you have this, when you're talking about bats, you have this great enthusiasm about bats, and I would suggest that most people do not, are not enthusiastic about bats whatsoever. Um, you know, I want a bat house for my backyard. My brother has one out at oh, his yeah. place, and I would love to have one out there and and all of that, and other people are like, why would you invite bats to your to your area? What is it that you find so cool about them?
4: Oh, Jay Lynn, they, they are the second most diverse group of animals on the planet rodents are the most diverse Bats, the second which means there's over 1200 species of bats in the world and all of those bats perform certain ecological functions that are very important they actually are enablers of things like tequila for instance there's the robert barkley equivalent there's the batman of mexico he figured out that the tequila plant the agave, is actually pollinated by a nectar-feeding bat. And, and then they realized that that bat was disappearing, and it could have put the tequila production down the tubes, except that this batman of Mexico figured out where the bats that pollinate the tequila are roosting. He set up protection systems. Now that bat population is doing just fine, and tequila continues to flow in Mexico, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just one example. In, in, in Canada, the, uh, we've only got 18 species of bats, because bats have a hard time in cold environments. Okay. But those 18 species are all insectivore bats. In other words, they're out there catching insects. We've all heard of the story of bats uh, picking off mosquitoes during the night, and, uh, and, and the numbers that, that some species of bats bats consume is absolutely mind-boggling, but they do perform a very important function. So the the 6 million or so bats that have disappeared in the eastern United States and Canada, I'm, I'm sure that the, the ecology has changed or shifted in one way or the other, or, or it, it is soon to shift with that kind of loss of such an important... <laughs> Uh, ecosystem manager as the bat.
0: Now, when you just came back from uh, Mexico. You sent me a picture of another bat that, uh, that you came across. Uh, really interesting species, uh, and it has, what is it, the fastest metabolism
4: of animals
0: or creatures around?
4: That's right. It's, it's as fast as a hummingbird. It's called the Pala's long-tongued bat. I was just north of Puerto Vallarta at a friend's place, and he took me for a walk up into the mountains to a cave because he wanted to show me bats and uh when we walked in uh through this cave uh, it was a man-made cave carved about probably 30 or 40 years ago and the ceiling was plastered with about a thousand or so bats i found a dead one on the floor of the cave and that's the photograph that i sent you that's how i got that close up picture of it but the and that picture actually allowed uh, my friend dr barkley here in calgary to send it to Dr. Rodrigo Medellin, who is that Mexican batman, and he identified it to species. He said that that, that particular bat uh, it has, has one of the longest tongues in relation to the body of any mammal, and he said that that tongue is controlled by blood pressure, huh. and when the blood is squeezed into that long, long tongue, which is designed to go down into the bottom of flowers because it's a nectivore bat, it actually feeds on nectar, it, it it extends way down into the bottom of these long uh, tongued flowers, and uh, and it it laps up the nectar in the bottom with little hairs, <laughs> and those hairs expand because of the blood flow into those hairs, and it does it very rapidly, and it, to the tune of of uh, of powering about 80 percent of its energy. Uh, it, it comes directly from that nectar that it feeds on every day and it feeds about on about fifty percent of its um, of, of its body weight on nectar every day so we 're talking about a high efficient Feeding machine that probably is responsible for a lot of the beautiful flowers you see in Mexico.
0: it's oh, fantastic. Now, your website, org, just showcases some really amazing experiences with, with wildlife. Um, I need to take a break right now. Brian, would you mind holding for a couple of minutes? I would like to talk a little bit with you about uh, Africa, Antarctic, if that's possible. That would be a pleasure. Okay, just hold the line. We're talking with Brian Keating this afternoon. You need to go to his website. Check it out. It's called goingwild.org. Now, Brian, has he's a wildlife expert. He's, he's traveled the world, 45 countries, all seven continents, over the past uh, almost, what, three decades. And the website itself gives you great insight into some of the stuff that he has done and experienced. And, Brian, I thank you again for joining us today. And you had talked on, on your website, one of your little vignettes, the videos, says um, you, you traveled to Africa a couple of times. Times a year two or three times a year you call it your home away from home what is it about africa for you
4: oh Jay Lynn, going to africa is like walking into a child's imagination honestly it's there are i've been into 17 different countries and i stopped counting at 50 safaris <laughs> uh, a number of years ago so it's a, it, I, I usually spend a couple of months in africa every year i'll be off in september and october again this year but the, um, the the continent continues to amaze me, and uh, there's, of course, my my focus has always been a wildlife focus, uh, but I'm just as intrigued and in love with the people and the landscape as the wildlife itself.
0: Would you say that's your, your favorite place to visit?
4: Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's hard to say. You know, I, I think I have a short attention span. <laughs> I I really enjoy whatever place I'm in, whether it be our own Rocky Mountains or canoeing a prairie river like I did on the South Saskatchewan last year or when I'm in Africa. I, I just drink in the moment and, and we're we're fortunate that we live in a in a world that is still green. There are still beautiful places to go. We're gonna have to fight hard to make sure those places remain intact. But the world is still an amazing place and, and Africa continues to draw me back. Another place I venture to almost every year is the Antarctic. And in in about five weeks, I'll be back down there for one of the last trips of the year with a focus on big mammals. In other words, a whale trip.
0: Oh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Because the one uh, video that I was watching uh, on your website about the Antarctic had a lot of penguins. It was uh, the penguins one. And you realize, oh, my goodness, that's that's thousands of penguins.
4: Oh, yeah. You know, (laughs) some of the some of the populations are, are through the roof. I've been traveling to South Georgia the island archipelago, inside the Antarctic uh, ecosystem. So it's it's on the other side. Uh, it's right in the Antarctic waters, uh, just uh, not far from the continent itself. And uh, and every time I go back to this one large king penguin colony, remember the king penguins yes. look, they look much like the emperor penguin. They're closely related, but they nest in the sub-Antarctic as opposed to the emperor that nests on the ice itself. And the uh, there's one colony that we... we stop at almost every year and every time i go back jailian there's more penguins it's <laughs> It really is something that the the size of the colony continues to expand outward.
0: One of the uh, videos, it was uh, from Africa and your wife is in a jeep and there was a cheetah. You were following some cheetahs and a cheetah got right up on the jeep and was using it uh, as a heightened level, as an outlook, I think, to look for for dinner probably. Um, And I'm looking at it going, oh my goodness, isn't that dangerous? And I'm wondering if you've had any close calls during any of these trips, these travels that you've taken,
4: you know, Jaylen, I always say that that of course, when you when you're in in big mammal country, things can happen, and, and I have had a handful of of events that uh, I was very lucky to not get hurt at. The cheetah experience was was just a beautiful experience mm. because cheetahs have never been known to hurt a human being. Okay. They are so genetically Uh, programmed to take uh, the small 35 kilogram antelope that that, uh, people have never been taken down by cheetah and that cheetah was quite famous, it was made famous by National Geographic actually when they filmed it hopping up on vehicles to get a better (laughs) look around survey where some food might be available and our Jeep just happened to be in the right location at the right time Uh. and that was one of several uh, uh, moments during the day that the cheetah hopped up onto our vehicle to check out the surrounding (laughs) landscape cheetahs are 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 easy to get along with it it's the other animals like lions that you have to be a bit more careful and there was one lion experience that we had that um we we were we were we made the mistake of walking into a pride of lions we didn't realize that there were four females and two cubs at the base of a a cliff that was a vertical cliff about three meters deep until we were standing right on the edge of that cliff and the lions uh One of them, the mo- one of the mothers and the two cubs exited stage left, but the other three attacked. And we were very lucky uh, that we squeezed out of that. We ran backwards facing the lions the whole time, yelling at them. And eventually, when we had enough distance between us, the male lion then came in uh, for the attack, and I was carrying a bear banger, which is a, a pencil-sized piece of ballistics that I set off, and uh, the lion was scared away. Ugh. But the adrenaline was was more than i have ever experienced in my life and so accidents can happen but it's never i've never had any situation that i would call dangerous when i've been with groups uh, it's just been the experiences that my wife and i have shared on our own we do a lot of travel of independent travel in yeah. africa and pretty well all of that travel is in big mammal country so you know there's there 's bound to be things that happen. I always say that it's it 's like the taxi driver eventually they 're going to get a ding
0: something 's going to happen you know Brian, you talk about um, you know the the, the 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 travel that you and your your wife do on your own, but you also lead trips, and I think uh, a lot of people have great interest in going to places like Antarctic or to africa i know that's that 's a, a bucket list of mine, but for a lot of people, I think it seems overwhelming or maybe too far off or impossible what tips do you have for people who want to get involved and maybe do a trip like that i mean the planning seems uh, overwhelming
4: well you know i think probably the trick is is to find a a, a travel agent that knows africa well you want to trust who you who you work with of course and i would i would recommend that for a first trip to africa east africa is the place to go uh... so kenya or tanzania depending upon the time of the year and lately what i've been doing as well is is after my east africa trip where we go into the serengeti because that truly is one of the most remarkable sites on the planet to see the numbers of wildebeest that still exist i was there last summer and it was it, I, i've been to the serengeti probably twenty five times and last year was the best i've ever seen it <laughs> Uh, which it's hard to believe that something just keeps getting better and better. But last year we were in huge numbers of wildebeest, and we saw several river crossings, which is it took me a, a decade of travel to Africa before I saw my first one. So I think, I think East Africa would be a good one. And, and what I often tack on to the East Africa trip after seeing the Serengeti, and, and I concentrate most of my time there, then into Rwanda. Rwanda right now Twenty years ago, of course, it was lower than a snake's belly, but it's amazing how that country has bounced back, and it it is an example of the fortitude of the human being and the the, the joy of seeing how a country that has seen so much horrible, uh, had so many terrible things happen to it, It, they've bounced right back, and people seem to walk with a spring to their step. Uh, Roads are being paved, hotels being rebuilt um uh, the the capital city is uh is one of the safest cities to walk around in in all of Africa it's it's an example to the world of how of how good things can become
0: Brian you must have the best photo albums on the planet that's all i have to say Brian thank you so much for joining us this afternoon thank you for sharing your passion uh about the bats and about wildlife i could talk to you all day and i look forward to doing it again sometime
4: So do i Thank you so much. much.
0: Brian Keating joining me this afternoon again. Check out the website, goingwild.org. Lots of great information on there and some pretty amazing videos as well.